0: a lesson in individuality. One of the things I like about teaching on my own is myself as a sole proprietor, I really have a clean slate and a lot of freedom about the curriculum that I can teach. One of the struggles with working at a club or a private club or a country club is you have to deal with a lot of personalities and that individual freedom is sometimes difficult to navigate. So I'm on a couple of newsletters for tennis clubs and one club in particular is really busy. They sent out this email and I thought it was really interesting. It was about someone who was booking primetime courts but not using them and not, essentially they were a no-show. And I know the director, they're new in the position, they're trying to, to dot all their I's and cross all their T's and they sent out the following email. Good morning. It's very important to cancel your reservation as soon as you know you are unable to play. It's unfair to the other residents who would have liked to have a court at the same time and reservation. So they go on to say there's a three-strike rule. Then about an hour later, after the uh, offender, I guess, got a chance to read the email and got even more offended, another email went out and said, hello. Hello. The email that was just sent out about the no-show rules was a generic email to the whole community and just a quick reminder of our policy. And you can see, without knowing all the details here, you can kind of tell what happened. The person didn't really appreciate it being outed in front of the whole entire community, even though he or her's name wasn't revealed. But apparently, everybody probably knows who this is uh, at the club. and. The reality is there, that person probably just needed a little one-to-one chat just so they could be understood and heard and so the director could do as well. And I know when I'm teaching tennis, I, I, I especially run into this at private clubs because you really have to kind of calmly process things, and really think about what you're going to do before you speak. So it's actually really good for me as an instructor to have kind of that oversight committee. So when I speak, I'll speak more efficiently and more thoughtfully. When I'm working on my own, I can be really like First Amendment gone wild. I could just say whatever I want because I'm the boss and the buck stops with me. So I thought that was an interesting email. And for you guys, when you're taking tennis lessons, I also noticed the culture of private clubs Generally speaking, aren't as good for your individual development because everyone's walking around on eggshells, nobody wants to offend anybody, so when you get to this critical juncture of trying to help someone, typically you'll just gloss over it with some toxic positivity rather than speaking freely and confidently in what the player needs and telling them directly. Last year at this time, the Labor Cup was probably the most anticipated event of the year because it marked the retirement of Roger Federer. At that time, a year ago, he was going to play doubles with Rafael Nadal. Novak Djokovic was already playing. Andy Murray was playing. And now for the 2023 version of this Labor Cup held in Vancouver, what we're seeing is life without the big three. Uh, we've already had some pullouts. Um, so the Team Europe is Rublev, Ruud, Herkaz, uh, Arthur Phils, Gael Monfils, and uh, Davidovich Fokini. So you can see, uh, diehard tennis fans, it's going to be a little trickier uh, enjoying the Davis Cup if you're really looking for star appeal. Now, Team World, on the other hand, might as well be Team USA. It's led by Taylor Fritz, Francis Tiafoe, Tommy Paul, Ben Shelton. Uh, We have felix Ogier aliasim from France, and we got Francisco Serendulo. Actually, I don't know really a lot about him, to be totally honest. Uh, Alternates are Christopher Eubanks and Milos Raonic. So the good news for the Labor Cup is they pay their prize money and guarantees out on scale according to your ranking. And with very little people here in the top five, I think if you're one in the world, you get a million, and then it goes three through five. It's down to a half a million. So a lot of these players uh, are 10 through 100 in the world. And so they'll get paid accordingly. So it'll be interesting to see the paradigm shift here in viewership, attendance, enthusiasm. The Labor Cup does an outstanding job in their branding and presentation. Uh, People love the format. So I think it'll survive. Uh, The tickets are not cheap. It is a great event. It'll be really interesting to see the product. Uh, just looking at the thing, I think Ben Shelton is kind of built for this. He's a bit of a showman with the retirement of Jack Sock. This is like his go-to event. He was such a valuable member of Team World who just won their first event last year because he could play singles and doubles. You can kind of plug and play. With this team this year, you don't really have that player. Felix Ojo-Aliassime is not playing well, really down here. Ben Shelton's a wild card, but I mean, he was playing terribly up until the U.S. Open run. And of course, we got John McEnroe captaining the team world and Bjorn Borg on Team Europe. Now, some of the saddest and probably most disturbing news is uh, Simona Halep's uh, doping ban has become solidified. She was provisionally suspended since last fall, and now it's turned it into a four year ban. you know, when this stuff comes up, it's always tricky. It, it's really rare for things to get overturned. You know, just ask Lance Armstrong. The The thing she was taking is, is stuff that cyclists would use to, you know, raise their endurance level. So it's really hard for this to be a mistake and have it ingested in meat, especially the amounts they discovered. Uh, her due process was really solid. I mean, they gave her a lot of chances, obviously she's going to fight it, she feels like she should be exonerated, and uh, she's going to keep fighting this. And I guess at some point, you know, she's 31 years old, Um, she could just keep fighting it. And then maybe in four years, she could play again at the age of 33 or 34. Uh, Serena Williams got a lot of media attention on Twitter, where she threw some alleged shade at the situation by just saying cryptically, I thought it should be eight. So we're assuming Uh, Her loss to her at Wimbledon stung And if, you know, she was on drugs at that time That left a sour taste in Serena's mouth So, uh, on a personal note I just, I loved watching Halep play Uh, I loved the coaching relationship she had with Darren Cahill So it it is really an empathetic situation Uh, You do feel bad for her I I can't think of one Well, there was one tennis player that, that, that did get off for it And it was a French tennis player who was in Miami Beach. And I guess after the matches, he was hanging out with some girls that were doing cocaine. And from the kissing of it, he had just an infant at least a minute amount of cocaine in his system that was apparently impossible to ingest manually. And they ended up buying his story that it was just a peripheral kissing situation. So that's the only person I ever known who have gotten off in the world of tennis from doping. Uh, The message boards are always got conspiracy theories, especially with Nadal and uh, Djokovic and other players and uh, all that's just conspiracy theories. The doping testing is so prevalent. Uh, They show up randomly. They show up often. And the testing makes it really, really difficult to cheat. And if you don't believe me, go watch a Lance Armstrong podcast with Joe Rogan. And finally, things I hate. There's this overarching popular narrative in the tennis culture and the media and the block of spheres and social media that Novak Djokovic needs love so much because Rafa Nadal and Federer love so much that his behavior is a reflection of that. And of course, When he did the famous hang up the phone, hand signal after he beat Ben Shelton, people kind of regurgitated that narrative. So much so, uh, Ben Shelton's father, Brian Shelton, was quoted recently as saying, referring to Novak Djokovic's, He wants to be loved so much, Novak. He wanted to mock Ben at the end. It wasn't something he was doing just to copy Ben. It was to mock him. And it's too bad for that to come from such a great champion. Now, again, I don't really like this because essentially what Brian Shelton's saying is he's a mind reader. If I'm going to do some mind reading of these non-verbal gestures, and this is kind of what I felt when I was watching Ben Shelton play, who stank up the tour for six months. He maybe won a handful of matches, couldn't get out of the first round, gets a great draw, gets a walkover, plays well, plays like a 19-year-old full of energy. And to me, the message could have been reframed if you're Brian Shelton. Now, he has to wear two hats, father and coach. But it would have been like, you know what? When you get to Arthur Ashe Stadium and you're playing on center court, right now, that's Novak Djokovic court. So I'm going to need you to play with respect and calm down and just play. And enough of the... The gestures and the egging on the crowd. I know you're enjoying yourself, but we got to make sure your shoulders stay strong. We've already got all the tape on there, and we need to work on your game and your ground strokes, and you have a terrible return of serve. So this was a fun little run. It's going to fund us for the rest of the year, but we got to get back to work, and we got to stop psychoanalyzing and mind reading probably the greatest tennis player in the world.